Before starting this week's episode of Well Good Movies, we just wanted to acknowledge the momentous time in which this episode is coming out. Not only is it on September the 11th, 19 years after the tragedy in America, but also we have suffered many great losses within the last few weeks. Many great actors and actresses have unfortunately passed away and have left a massive gap in the industry. Throughout the year, we had already lost great actors such as Ifar Khan and Ian Holm. Yesterday, we lost Diana Rigg. And of course, recently, we have also lost Chadwick Boseman. The world has been devastated by the loss of such an inspirational figure to children and to cultures of all kinds around the world. He embodied the character of T'Challa and of Black Panther. His diagnosis was sad for us to hear, but nevertheless, the inspiration and messages he carried through in all of his films have stuck with us all of this time. We want to make this a fun episode. We want to make it a memorable one, as always. So please, have fun, guys. Enjoy our podcast, but never forget those who we have lost. Yes, welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. I am your host, David Osger, and we have got a very fun and exciting episode for you today, guys. As always, we're going to be talking about some fun movies, potentially recommending some. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, now is the time to forget about, you know, issues like hashtag boycott Mulan and, you know, how many times you should go see Tenant in the cinemas. Today we're talking about the real films, guys. We're talking about those serious, serious discussions on this podcast, as we always do, to brighten up your day and uh, and forget about all the troubles of the world for just uh, one moment. So who better to go through all that with us today than my co-host and fellow cinema goer, Craig McDonald. Hello there. So yes, Craig, we have been to the cinema recently. How do you feel? Well, I'm not going to say ill because that will raise some alarm bells, but <laughs> no, seriously, I feel good. It was nice to be in there, even if it was a case of metaphorically poking loads of people with a stick and saying, back off. <laughs> but it was a nice, it was a nice time. It was, it was good to see you in person again. Yeah, it was, it was a strange experience after like what, like six months. And I think hats off to, like said, the cinema, you know, I, I joked about like, you know, seeing Tenant multiple times. But, you know, like I said, I think as long as you're in a safe, you know, area or, you know, you feel that you want to support cinemas at this time, then, you know, like our, you know, local Odeon, you know, I felt that they had very good, you know, measures in place. Whether the general public always stick to the, to the rules that they put up on screen is is another issue. Uh, and I, I think I had that a bit worse when I went to see the New Mutants, which uh, you weren't with me uh, for, Craig. But we'll get on to that another time, I think. Joy. <laughs> but regardless, like I said, it's, uh, it, it still is great to have that experience again and see a big blockbuster film on the big screen. But 
Today, we're going to be talking about something completely random and different. Uh, so, we have got our guest. It's his first time on the show. He is a writer on Fresh Take, our website. He is a fan of film and television. He's a music lover. He is a sports journalist. He's a master of puns and potentially the world. Uh, it is writer Stephen Jones. Hello. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Good to see you. Glad to have you on, Steve. Uh, it's been a long time coming. So, like I said, uh, you you know focus on you know culture, writing, sports, music, movies. Do you feel that they also cross over? Is is you know that the idea, or you know because you sort of never stick to one one genre, let's say. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It crosses over to to writing to film. I think there's so much you can sort of do with it, and so many different avenues to go down. So um, yeah, no. Definitely. And uh, this year you've been using uh, the time indoors, etc., to catch up on some classic films, one of those, you know, must-see movies. What, what, what are some of the ones you've been watching? That's it. So I've used this time well. I've uh, got my little list of movies. I'm crossing it off day by day. So I've started watching stuff like Seven, American Psycho. I mean, just listening to all the violent ones here. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, I've used it well. I think I've got way more to watch. So, you know, the list still goes on, but I've really enjoyed it sort of seeing those classic betrayals of films, people, you know, films that people tell you to watch years ago and you just put it on the back burner. So it's good to have that time to sort of watch it and uh, get back into it. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah. You can sort of see what, what all the, the fuss is about after all that time. And sometimes it's surprising when you're watching that you're like, wow, how did I never know about this element of the film or this person was in it? Despite everyone talking about it all the time, you still find that, oh, I didn't actually know anything about this film, despite how much is talked about and written about and you, you see it quoted. Or that, That's some of my favourite, is when I'm actually watching like one of those classic movies, and I'm like, oh, that's where that's from. That's where The Simpsons got that from, that, that kind of you know, line of thinking. That's it, and it's always interesting to see how far technology has come, because you know, some of these classic films are from the 80s and 90s, and it's just that's what I always find interesting is to see the uh, change in technology. Yeah, uh, well, like we we said at the start, you know, one of your specialisms is sports. So today you wanted to sort of integrate those two. Uh, what what was your your thoughts in sort of bringing us our challenge today? We we love a challenge on this podcast. You know, previously we've had film noir, we've had the, the films of Adam Sandler. Today we've got a very interesting set of films that we'll be discussing. Uh, I love I how David's awkwardly <laughs> laughing because he knows that for once in these challenges he speaks of, he's actually had to do some work for a change. <laughs> these are indeed challenging times. It's like 2020, what a challenging time. I had to watch <laughs> Alley Cat Strike. I'm joking. Uh, so I didn't even watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading from your memoirs, Craig. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Steve, what, what, what was the inspiration... Uh, for the the challenge you wanted to to give us and the, uh, the topic you wanted to bring up so for me it, it might sound corny and it probably is going to but for me sports is a universal language it speaks to everyone and that comes through in films and especially these type of films i think it it just brings everyone together there's so many side plots that can come from it you know sometimes it'll be a sport film but sport won't actually be the main topic so the challenge was really to to sort of see how sports is integrated but to see how little side stories can come from that and how it can make the film collectively. I think, you know, look, look, look through Disney's history of films and especially sport films, they've been quite successful. 
so you know just having that central theme I thought it'd be quite interesting to see um to see what levels they sort of have to them yeah and, and that's what's interesting is that you know especially the past year everyone's been indoors a lot more so obviously we've really cherished these streaming services which have got big libraries of films and when Disney Plus launched you kind of thought oh great you know there's all these cartoons I used to watch as a kid and there's the Marvel films, the Star Wars films. But then when you're looking through it, you're like, what, what is this? You know, like there's all these random like 80s and 90s films that some of them were theatrical. So yeah, when you brought up this idea to me, uh, I did sort of really like it because there is such a catalog of random films on Disney+. Plus. But like you said, sports ones especially, and I think we'll get into that later, is especially with us audiences i think that is a big difference like us as as brits watching this it's kind of strange but sports is a massive part of their culture and when you look at just the catalogue of films alone you kind of get an idea of that and and definitely in the films that we've been watching so for me you know it stood out the fact that and you mentioned this when we were discussing is you know the mighty ducks that's like one of the biggest ones and and loads of people have big big memories of I think it's like three films and even like an animated series. Steve, you also wrote about uh, cool run-ins as well in the past. Exactly, yeah. I think all these Disney classic films, they, they have got stories to tell. Um, they might not be stories people really want to hear. They might not even be what they want to see. But deep down the route is always a good moral story that, you know, you can go through a challenging situation and by the end of it, you'll either be a better person you know, and that's always what Disney have done. And especially with sport films, they do that. But with um, the Mighty Ducks and Cool Runnings, that's the sort of staple sport films, you know, that they, they produced. And then it's just all sort of either gone. It's gone quite good from there. There's been mm. some bad ones. We might be discussing them later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, like you said, it's not just about sports. And that's why I wanted the challenge is that it may be a sports film, but it's other films as well. interestingly they have all these like epic and famous sports films and then as a separate subgenre, they have disney channel sports films so how could we resist talking about uh disney channel movies uh i actually found out during uh research for this which i didn't realize they have their own uh name which is dcoms uh because it's disney Cha- disney channel original movies so uh <laughs> They like and like I said, the amount of Disney Channel original movies they are is insane. And the fact that Disney decided to go, oh, you know what? And this is chuck them all on Disney Plus, <laughs> was like another feat in itself. So, yeah, I I found it very interesting from the one that you saw brought up, Steve. And we'll get onto that one soon. Just how many Disney Channel sports movies there are. So that that's why I found most fun about this is just. They're all like kind of the same. They're all like, oh, let's take this new sport and, you know, come up with like a, a gimmicky storyline for it. So just looking at the front page of Disney, you know, you got Magic Camp, Motocrossed, The Sandalot, Now You See It, Miracle in Lane 2, Right on Track, The 13th Year, The Big Green, <laughs> Double Teamed, and then you got like, You Wish. Double Teamed is not a Disney film I would ever want to watch, <laughs> nor should it be a Disney film that is ever named. <laughs> that is one of the ones which I saw, which was like, what? There you go. You know, you then even go into the more modern ones. You then get like things like Brink, with like people on skateboards. You got Johnny Tsunami, Gotta Kick It Up, uh, <laughs> Full Court Miracle. 
jump in, which I think stemmed from the uh, high school musical films, Go Figure, you know, about figure skating, jumping ship. There's so many. How are there so many? So, <laughs> Steve, what what is the, the magic movie that uh, you, you picked out from all of these gems and, and inspired this? So it was a hard choice because, like you said, there were so many great, films are. I think half of them deserved Oscars if I'm being honest but you know that's a, that's a different story so the film that I picked out is a it's a childhood favorite it's one that got me through I was going to say most of my childhood but that would be um, that'd be stretching the truth a little bit but um the one I picked was Eddie's million dollar cook-off which is story of bravery it's a story of um you know fighting for something you want it's a story about baseball and cooking that's that's the gist of it <laughs> But no, I think it's it's one of my favourite films. It's uh, it's it's probably it's probably not like something you put together, but that's what Disney do best. They sort of do these mashups well, and I think it come come across well. For this episode, you know, we've all watched uh, Million Dollar Cook Off as as Steve saw was inspired by it, and then we have also uh, each watched another bizarre crazy disney sports movie so we'll each be talking about those later and uh yeah if you haven't seen them before then you can entertain yourself with our bizarre reactions and our recommendations or (laughs) warnings not to watch these films so we'll get on to those uh later but yeah first of all we're going to talk about eddie's million dollar cook-off and to start it off uh we'll be talking about you know what they're about, like uh, Steve was sort of mentioning there. And one of my favorite aspects, especially when you're looking on the Disney Plus app, is just how they summarize this film in one one sort of sentence. It just really emphasizes how weird these films are. And that definitely becomes the case later on. So Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off is a baseball prodigy swings for the culinary fences in a cooking competition. <laughs> Steve, uh, why do you tell us the, the full full summary that uh, Disney sells this on on, on, on their uh, streaming service. All right, guys, get ready for this. Everyone seems to be in a stew when baseball prodigy Eddie Ogden enters a major cooking contest held on the same day as his team's playoff game. With his father and friends doing a slow burn, the 14-year-old finds himself in a toss-up. Can he fulfill his obligation to the team and still be true to himself? Did you put the food away, honey? Nope. I cooked it instead. Okay, there's no way I'm eating that. Move it or lose it. Hey, how about that? Well, I for one am quite impressed. You boys have done an amazing job. Hey, don't look at us. We had nothing to do with it. It was all it. Hey, it was like he was possessed or something. Well, we're gonna have to start calling you Chef Eddie. <laughs> More like Eddie Crocker. Oh. Yeah, at least now I know what to get you for your birthday. An apron. Oh. <laughs> or an easy bake oven. Oh. Knock it off. You know, now he always did like making little cookies with his Play-Doh. No, I didn't. Okay, I think that's enough. Oh, come on, Mom. Look. It's Edwina, the daughter you've always wanted. Oh. Hi, I'm Edwina. I'm the little French chef in eighth grade. <laughs> and my hobbies are cooking and... And, well, cooking! <laughs> Knock it off. Oh, come on. Relax, Eddie. We're just teasing you. It's not like anybody thinks you're going to trade in your baseball mitt for an... Oven mitt. <laughs> I don't know, Dad. Do they let girls play in Major League Baseball? <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys. <laughs> so yes, if you were captivated enough by that uh, that clip there, guys, let us tell you all about 
Eddie's million dollar cook-off. Steve, take it away. What, what, what is it about this film, like I said, and that concept you're talking about, about combining cookery and uh, baseball that, that uh, inspired you so much? This is the perfect combination in, in many ways. But the perfect combination for me is that, it, you know, you've got this kid, Eddie. He, he loves baseball. He clearly loves baseball. And, you know, he wants to impress his dad. He wants to be there for the team. But then he's got, you know, he's got that love for cooking as well. And it sort of comes into his life at a time where he doesn't know what he fully wants. And it's there for him when he needs it. And he finds the love and passion for it. He, he has some late nights cooking. Some really good experiments work out for him. Some others not so much. But I think he just finds this genuine love for something he wants to do in his further life. You know, after baseball, he sort of finds something that's going to pay the bills. He finds cooking. So for me, it's the perfect combination movie between sports and sort of a coming to age sort of story where, you know, this teenager find, finds out what he wants to do in the future. So for me, it's, it's a perfect combination. Uh, we, so we should uh, preface as well that obviously these are very products of their time. You know, this was released in 2003 and all the films we're talking about today are between 2000 and 2004. And like we said earlier, they are DCOMs, you know, these Disney Channel original movies. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it's like you said, it's it's a, a bizarre sort of combination. And yeah, watching it, I felt it was a bit like early ideas that they might have had for high school musical because it is kind of that you know oh what are you doing like you know singing and doing musical theater you need to focus on the basketball it, it's almost like uh, that kind of story which like plays out in this as well well what surprised me was how judgmental everyone was in this movie i think you know nobody wanted him to succeed and especially at cooking you know he had some of his best friends and they just weren't there for him at the time when they needed especially db who's a character who's one of his friends he was uh, his biggest critic in many ways but um, no i think the high school musical comparison is spot on i think um it could have been an early idea because it definitely came across watching that that it was almost like a similar structure it was a uh, it was very similar a similar plot as well so yes yeah, we like you said it's that's where i was watching it. i was just like should i put this down to the time this film which was made in which they are so like against him and like and in that clip you know they're ragging on him so much but then at certain points i was like come on this is 2003 not 1973 it's like some of the like things they're saying in this i was like this wasn't that bad back then was it i don't know am i am i misremembering well just the fact that he turns around turns around and says at one point look at look at the cooking channel all of the chefs there are men why is this such a big deal i was like yeah i just want to know does does disney have a catalog of um of overbearing fathers that want to live their dreams with their son because that just seems to be the thing every time you always got the dad who just wants his dream to come true through his son or yeah. daughter it's just always that way and it's always the father is also the coach. So I was watching it like, is this like a budget thing that you want to just mesh two characters together? Or again, we don't live in America. Is it that common a thing that fathers will like take on roles as, you know, the, the, the local sports team coach? I, I don't know. It did annoy me a little bit. But I think that for me, the film is strongest when they actually deal with that core idea of you're spending too much time ignoring uh, the baseball team in order to pursue cooking. Um, but those moments for me feel too few and far between because most of it just seems to be like an absolute gendered attack on the idea of, you're a boy, boy shouldn't be cooking. Ew. And then, and then I thought for a while, wait a minute, wh why are you not having a go at the girls trying to do the boy thing in baseball? And then eventually, eventually like 
eventually they do come out and have a they have a go, which is like great. But you you don't do anything with that idea. Then you're just showing you shouldn't be doing that. It's like okay, and it stops doing. Why aren't you focusing more on the actual like draw? I would have liked this film a lot more if it was literally just the time element thing, not the you're a boy, do the boy thing. I just found that quite irritating. Yeah, I I, I thought when at the end, because halfway through it, I was just like, wow, were they actually going there in terms of, you know, like the father is just like, oh, you're just like, what are the guys and, and all this kind of stuff? And I was just like, I was like, okay, I get that they're making that commentary, but I was glad when the kids then, like, at the end of it, like, brought it up. Especially that one kid who was like, my dad's a nurse. Like, you know, what if ha- something happens to you? You know, like, I was just like, okay, touche. Thank you, kids. Like, this is... Because they didn't paint the father as that villainous, so I didn't know if they were going to go there, but it was kind of, like, well done in that they were quite subtle about it, and then the kids were just like, you know what? We're not taking this crap anymore. I was like, thank you. Yeah, I, apl- I applauded that scene. I was like, yeah. Too damn right. It's like, why is it that when I do well, you say I run like a man or run like a boy, but when I do badly, you say I run like a girl. I am a girl. I'm like, yes, you are. Do what you want. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Some of the messages they were trying to say, like when he was, especially with the father and the mother thing, I was just like, is this an analogy for something that, you know, like, it was just like, why did you tell your mother and not me? It's like, I, I, you know, I never knew all this. And he's like watching stuff and turning over. I was like, is this an analogy for something for like kids, like growing up as te- like hormonal teenagers or something? They're just like, we're just going to use cooking as like a, a preface for like hormonal teenagers going through puberty, like whether they're discovering girls or boys. Or <laughs> I was like, is this what they're saying? I don't know. In my head, I think that would also be a bad way of doing it. It's like, hmm, what's the most feminine activity we can think of to be <laughs> an allegory for being gay? <laughs> well, that's why I said girls and boys. I didn't want to like say that they were purposely saying that. But he certainly didn't deserve, you know, the treatment he got for liking cooking. I mean, from his friends, from his peers, but especially like I said, his dad. There's that scene when you know his teacher comes to his house. And, you know, he's like, Eddie, please think about going to this cook-off, you know, the baseball game can wait. And his dad was just so rude to everyone. <laughs> yeah. And especially, hit, like, his son. It was just, um, it just, who, who doesn't love cooking? The rudest thing for me is the fact that both the father and the brothers had such a go at him for cooking after they devoured his delicious meal. Yeah, I thought the exact same I thing. I hated that scene because they were like fighting over the food and then they're just like, ha, what a loser. It's just like, <laughs> you, you encourage that by eating all the food, you dicks. The, the scene you mentioned, Steve, where the father and the teacher comes over, I think it was around that time. And I just found it funny how the father, I think around near that when... He possibly had cooked something and like his mum was helping him or something like that. And he said, you know, he said like, what is this cooking or something like that? And I was just like thinking like, how, cr- how bizarre can you make this? Like, it's like, what are you doing? Cooking. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and then at the end, he like knows perfectly how to cook. It just, it just made me laugh at the idea of them being like really like, you know, they obviously don't know cooking that much because they're, they're always ordering pizza. Like every single, <laughs> always ordering pizza. <laughs> exactly. I just was worried throughout this film of, like recently I've been watching back Community and there's the episodes where they have the paintball fights and the joke in 
those episodes is always like we've trashed the school like oh god the entire school is like being bombarded with paintballs and then like one of them is like we need to like win this prize money so we can like repair the school from all the damage we've done and that's why i kept thinking when they kept having these food fights and stuff i was just like uh, they're, they're like sweeping up afterwards i was like that was a really nice kitchen that you've just trashed like i don't know if it's just because i'm a bit older now but i was just like that that was a nice kitchen guys why have you done this to this nice kitchen i, I wrote that down as well i thought to myself not not, not one food fight yeah but two food fights <laughs> and it got me thinking how much food was actually wasted because it all looked real it looked ready made to go <laughs> And they, they're just disrespectful, flinging it about. And then you've got poor Bridget, who just, she doesn't want to see any of that. She just wants to focus on their cooking. Yeah. And, um, Why on earth is that teacher still employed if her reaction to a food fight is, I'm going to duck and crawl? <laughs> it, it very, that, that's where, like, the biggest, like, this is aimed at children came across, where they were just like, that was the best food fight ever. Oh, not like that. You know, you could tell, like, kids would watch that being like, oh, yeah, I want a food fight like that. And... And then they mention all the previous food fights that they've had. But but then even at home, Eddie is like experimenting at night and stuff. And I'm like, how do you leave it in this state? It's like literally he uses blenders without the top on and it goes everywhere. And I was just like... He cut you... his dog in peanut butter. Yeah. How did you get away with that? Yeah, that poor dog has got like purple gloop on him at the end. Was, or like when he's experimenting with the sauce. A Korean stream. Oh, poor taste, great poor taste. Sure, that was that is what dog is though. Poor taste. <laughs> I've I've got a very controversial view about this film though. Um, oh, okay. I've kept it inside until this point. Oh right. Okay. Um, I don't think he was ever that good at baseball. I'm just going to put that out there. I think he was average at best, but the players around him were on his level. So, in in thinking about now and in hindsight, baseball was never going to be a career for him. So you know, cookery always was kind of the final destination. Yeah, that was what was nice about, again, I felt that the first half of this was just like a bit ludicrous and a bit weird that they were so heavy handed with, you know, the whole like, oh, that's for girls, blah, blah, blah. But then I did like at the end that the father came around, like, I'll support you in with, with whichever you do and, you know, what whatever you do. And, and it was nice that the team were like, we should do this without him because throughout it, I was like, I was like, why do you not like focus on the rest of the team? Like, clearly they need developing. You can't just win just off like one kid. So yeah, I, I was glad that they saw, like, covered that and sorted it. But I think my controversial opinion, or I don't know if anyone else has this, is, you know, I felt that Bridget was, like, the unsung hero of this film. Like, even the teacher that was, like, came round to the house and they were like, but what about Bridget? She was like, Bridget is not passionate. I was like, Bridget is not passionate? What are you on about? I was like, that girl is prepared as f***. She's got, like, an entire, like portfolio of like her passion I, that <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't this mad until now but like at the end i was just like i'm glad she won because she didn't deserve the like the shit she was getting through that movie i will say that i yeah she definitely deserves to win I, I i'll give you that but the problem is i couldn't get behind bridget's character because her actress was just the worst one of the bunch <laughs> every time she spoke i was like oh god here we go Oh, I don't know. Some of those lines, like the one I sent to Steve when, when I was watching through it was, uh, is it possible for a cookie to have too many chocolate chips? <laughs> I laughed because I thought the delivery was awful. But every time, every time, oh no, I, I think for me it was that scene where 
Yeah, it's after that. And she says, I don't think I could eat all these cookies myself, but I'll try. <laughs> Shut up. You know, when they sort of berate Eddie again about liking cooking and he leaves and she goes, is that why people don't like me? Because I like cooking. And she went, no, there's plenty of other reasons. I was like, what kind of teacher are you? Like, wow, what a knock to that girl's confidence. I'm glad she didn't take that to heart. Like, How, how good would it have been, you know, when they're going for pizza at the end and then how good would it have been if she said, can I come? And then he just went, no. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I, I want to discuss, uh, and I think it's obviously the catalyst that got him into cooking, what is everyone's opinions on Eddie's dogs? Or the Eddie dogs? Oh, right. I was like, you only had one dog. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that. But I know what he's on about now. I mean, my, my opinion from the, from the start was he didn't actually cook the hot dogs himself. He got them from the vending machine yeah. or from the vendor. So, and then he just put a bunch of different condiments on them. And he just, again, there was mess with that. There was just yeah. so much mess. That pissed me off because they're like, oh my God, this is delicious. And the more he put on, I was like, that is the most hideous thing I've ever seen in my life. I do not think that is appetizing in any way. It's like, is that seriously the f-ing premise of this film? He can make a really good, but hideously disgusting looking hot dog. <laughs> do you know when the teacher's in the class and she's saying like, you know, uh, can you slice an apple? Can you layer a lasagna? I, I wanted that to go further. Like, again, if they were doing, like, the father, like, what is this cooking? I wanted her to, like, go, like, really bizarre. So I, I don't know if you have any off the top of your head, but I have a few. So I've got, can you mince a deer? Can you bake a hippopotamus? And my favourite, can you fry a palm tree? <laughs> I was just imagining her being like, this is what you need to do, Eddie, if you want to be big in the world of cookery. You need to be able to do the biggest things possible. Do you know what it reminded me of? What's that? You know those Royal Navy adverts, which is like, if you can fix a, if you can fix a skateboard, you can fix a bike. If you can <laughs> yeah. fix a bike, you can fix a car. If you can fix a car, you can fix an attack helicopter. That's what it is. It's like, if you can put some condiments on a hot dog, you can fry some chicken. You can fry some chicken, you can make a sauce. You can make a sauce. You can fillet all of these things. <laughs> Do, do you know what I was actually thinking as well in comparisons was, you know, when the father again, like caught him like cooking at night when he was like making that lasagna or um, aubergine. So I can't, moussaka, I think it is. Uh, <laughs> I was just imagining, you know, those scenes where like you have the sort of same dynamic of the father doesn't like what the kid's doing and they like wreck whatever they've been working on kind of thing i was just imagine i was like what would you do in this situation it's not like you know oh i don't like you dancing or i don't like you know wreck it ralph you know like the the car he smashes up the car etc i was like what's the dad gonna do just take the stove outside and just like start smashing it with a baseball bat like dad no we use that to eat he's like no more cookery for you son can i say something positive about the film because i feel like i need to oh yes yeah there are, like I said, there are genuine moments I liked. And I think if the film veered towards moments like this, I would have had a better time with it. But one, I genuinely baffles me why it took so long to get an understanding parent whose child is doing something that is perceived to be like, you know, against the grain or whatever with, uh, is the one girl, Hannah, her parent, uh, her mother who thought she was just the cheerleader. Yeah. When her mother just showed up and was just like, the only thing I'm sad about is that you wouldn't tell me. I would happily support. And I was like, this is nice. 
at one hour and 14 minutes into the film. But for me, uh, like I love the ending of this film. I will say, because I think that I actually think the egg scene is a really nice touch. Uh, so specifically where, you know, the father's breaking the eggs perfectly first time round, because obviously that was something that uh, Eddie wanted to build up to the entire film. So just the fact that his father was able to do it so naturally, I thought that was a really, really subtle way of basically saying that they'd be able to have this understanding about cooking and the fact that then he goes on to lose the contest and like need that uh, morale boost, especially from his father. I just thought it was really good stuff. My big regret then is they don't show us what happens next. It's just, he lost the contest. End. It's why we need, the, we need the sequel. We need to see what happens to Bridget. Simons or Simmons or whatever her name is. Yeah. <laughs> don't piss her off. Yeah, that's a theme again. I don't know with the, the, guy, the films you guys watch, but I found that these films just ended like, you know, as soon as the, the end act happened, they were like, yep, that's it. And you're like, oh, are we not going to see like how their lives panned out afterwards? Yeah, that's a particularly big problem for my film. What, what I thought was funny as well is, you know, when he does lose and he's sort of emotional, etc. You know, when you have those films that have like the voiceovers, if like somebody's telling the story, you know, from when they're an adult, I kind of just imagined like this voice coming over at the end, like saying like, and so Eddie learned that you can't like two things at once. It's <laughs> like, because that's why I would have liked to see that he still kept up both things, but <laughs> inevitably his love for base, no, his love for cooking was completely destroyed by baseball so we gave them both up for a life on the streets taking <laughs> nothing but crack cocaine <laughs> i hope that happened to db because db just annoyed me to the point oh where my i oh my <laughs> I, he's a bastard i can't stand him man well i started off this podcast as a big advocate for um eddie's million dollar cook-off and i realized that it was just a bunch of bullying towards a girl <laughs> it's, it's ruined my childhood film but no i think it's a, it's 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 it had potential. It had a lot of potential. There were some good storylines in it. And the ending is very warming. Whatever you do, do not follow any of the recipes because you will probably die of food poisoning. <laughs> um, but no, it's a good film. And it brings, it does show, it showcases sport in a really good light. And that sort of underdog status of a team winning and, you know, against all odds. And I think it does the sports side of things really well. We haven't really touched too much on that part of it. But for me, the sports side of it is really good. And it, it brings in the other motives quite well. But no, it's a good film. And yeah, just can't stand DB. That's my end point. So we'll go on to our next film, which is also very much about teams and uh, the importance of working together, etc. The tagline for this one, which is called Alley Cats Strike Four Outcast Teens with a Love of Bowling are Thrust into the Spotlight. Craig, tell us all about it. (laughs) This is a story about four outcast teenagers who all have a passionate passion for bowling and are thrust into the spotlight when the outcome of an inter-school competition is placed squarely on their shoulders. When the very group learns that the most popular and athletic kid in school must be a part of the bowling team for that competition, the teens need to set aside their differences and learn to work together to win the trophy and the adoration of their town. Come on, Todd, show us what you got. Peter, go, Todd! 
I guess our principal is easily impressed. Yeah. Hey, you guys both strikes every time? No, we're not that good. I didn't think so. Ten frames with all strikes is a perfect game. It's pretty rare, like hitting three homers in a baseball game. That's it? And by the time we're done, I guarantee you, I'll have bowled a 100. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, Craig, what was your experience with Alley Cat Strike? So, in theory, I should have liked this film more than uh, Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off because it doesn't have things like needless sexism, etc. But I have no redeeming features for this film whatsoever. <laughs> Nothing. So... One thing I want to address, because this is the thing that stunned me, first of all, and I messaged David about this immediately, and he didn't even know and found it surprising. If anyone recognized the girl voice from that, that is indeed Kaylee Cuoco, a.k.a. Penny from The Big Bang Theory, and the voice of Harley Quinn from the Harley Quinn DC animated show. Good Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, if anyone wants to say that she's a bad actress, I'd happily show them that clip and be like, I, I promise you she's improved. But... Okay, so what I want to say is that I hate this film. <laughs> hate it. Because there's just, to me, there's no stakes whatsoever. Like, there's, there's nothing. This is a film that predicates itself almost entirely on the outcome of this sporting event, as opposed to, uh, to Million Dollar Cook-Off, where the stakes are a lot more personal, right? So you have to, you having to choose between those two things. No, this entire town are obsessed with what's known as like the apple. Like, and it's basically a competition between the two sides of Appleton, which if that name sounds familiar, it's the name of one of the more recent Pokemon, Appleton. East side versus West side. And they've been battling for years in sports contests, trying to win what's known as the big apple. Um, and all of the people in this town are obsessed with this thing to the point that they do, they do ludicrous things. Like the kids who are on the sports teams who win like the Apple are basically worshipped like gods. They do news interviews where the adults are basically treating them as if they're be as if the kids are better than the adults. Like at one point they want to organize a party to save the bowling, uh, the bowling alley. And they go around all of these people saying, Hey, I want to borrow this like laser light system, but I don't have any money. And they're like, can you help? And it's like, it's like, for, for you, Tony, the, 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 the captain of the sports team will do anything. At which point I'm just like, you're, you're willing to give him thousands of dollars worth of equipment just because he's good at sports. Right? What is this Big Apple? Is it like crack cocaine or something? Because you people are awfully obsessed with getting this thing. And they make such a big thing about revealing it. So you don't even see this thing until about an hour and 15 minutes into the uh, 15 whatever into the film which where they pull it out and it's basically just a massive massive tower with a little gold apple at the top at which point i just felt incredibly underwhelmed because i'm just looking at this thing thinking you really want that but the bit sorry the basic premise of this thing is that be, uh, because there's a rivalry between these two schools but because of budgetary reasons those schools are going to merge this is the last ever event to win that trophy so basically, whichever side wins will keep that trophy forever. So obviously the West, who we are following, um, want them to win it. And basically they, they're tied going into the last event and the other school get to choose. And the other, choose, uh, the other side choose bowling, 
which everyone freaks out about because apparently bowling is some po- is some freakish pariah sports that only four nerdy children in this entire town play. Since when was bowling so uncool? I really like bowling. Like, I I don't know anyone who objectively hates bowling, let alone thinks it's just like a, such an inferior sport. I think that's the trend I got watching these movies is that for some reason these sports movies like to decide there is a hierarchy of sport that everyone must like and everyone else then finds sports below that really inferior and shit. So like what is what just generally like do you guys like bowling? Bowling like you said bowling's cool. I mean like yeah. it's a, I love bowling. I mean I'm not very good at it but I still love it. It's the whole atmosphere, you know, you've got the lanes, you've got the drinks, the the food, it's just, it all comes together, you know? Bowling's cool, man. I think it's really, yeah. And the thing is as well, I think it's also also a really good sport. You can film it in a way that's like interesting. Like one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons is where they create the pin pals and the way that they always show like the games I thought was incredibly interesting. This film does everything in its power to make bowling suck. And it winds me up because they show loads and loads of shots of like pins being hit. But here's the thing. In that entire film, there are only about six individual shots of the pins being hit, which they repeat over and over and over again. Like you could actually have a game where you could play shot spotting, where you literally just take tallies of how many times they use the same pins being hit over and over again. It's one of the lazy, and literally all they do is just show a kid with a bowl, ball, roll it, and cut to one of their stock footage shots <laughs> of these pins being hit. And they, they try and make these kids just seem like really nerdy. Bear in mind one of them is Kaylee Kuoko. It's just like, how is she meant to be like a nerdy, unlikable kid in high school? What on earth are you doing? <laughs> But basically what happens is, as the, as the summary said, the, the athletic kid who's basically been on every single one of these teams uh, is forced to be on this team uh, and he cannot bowl. So they basically try and teach him how to bowl, but he's being a bit arrogant and standoffish with them, eventually befriends the, like, the star bowler who is the worst actor I've ever seen. Um, like the kid is so wooden, he's been cast in the live action remake of Pinocchio. Um, and like, he's just, he was, he was the kid who was just like, it's like getting free homers, uh, homers in the baseball game. And, and it's just, he's just freaking awful. Um, he dresses in bowling clothes all the time, which makes it even more obvious that people are meant to find bowling lame. It's one of those things as well. And like the big prop, the reason I hate the fact that, that this film basically ends after the competition ends is that the town seem to derive their entire basis of whether or not they're going to like these nerdy kids on whether or not they'll be able to win them the game. Because they even had, there is even a scene where uh, Alex overhears some of like Tony's friends who he gets along to like the bowling night that's meant to generate money to help keep this bowling alley alive they overhear him saying yeah he's a good bowler and he's going to win us a trophy but that doesn't mean i have to like him much i I still think he's arrogant like but so long as he wins us the game that's the most important thing so i was like that's nice and like even even the mayor basically sort of like looks down on them a bit and basically it's like oh tony's going to be the one who wins us this even though they're like 
he cannot fall for shit. <laughs> um, but then it's annoying because then once they actually spoiler, they win. Um, they do. They they no way. <laughs> they do win in a way which is actually character development for Tony because he basically they're only allowed four bowlers at the time, but there are five on the team. So Tony is the one who subs out so that the person who can 100% make this shot, which is a shot that nobody's been able to make throughout the entire film, which is the, uh, the 7-10 spear. Uh, for anyone who knows bowling, knows what that is. Oh, I know what it is. Split. Yeah, so the, yeah, so the 7-10 sp- uh, split. So um, there's only one bowler in this entire film who's able to make, uh, to make that shot. Um, so Tony graciously steps down and says she needs to do it. And the entire town's like, what the hell? And they, they're actively booing this girl as she's going up to do the shot. Wow. I'm like, why? If your star athlete says she's the one who's going to win us this game, don't boo her for Christ's sake. That is a theme with these films. Again, it's just showing how judgy like everyone is, especially, you know, okay, schools are very judgmental. You get like a lot of bullying and like people making fun, etc. But sometimes it is just to a degree which you're like, really? Like in Million Dollar Cook-Off, when everyone finds out that he's in that competition, even the cheerleaders are going like, hey, want to like come over and like, you know, practice with us? And I'm like, he's into something that you should be into. Why are you like... <laughs> offending yourself this is like adults doing it oh yeah that's what i mean is that you also get that that side of it in other films we'll talk like in my film you have elements of that as well i mean a bowling bowling film should be like good you know like disney should be able to make this good they've got all the elements there to make it good so i don't understand how they've done such a bad job and they're like oh martin what are you doing tonight i'm going bowling with the team what's that you're eating an apple idea (laughs) and they just put it all together well, find, what I find baffling is I don't understand. They must have only had like an hour in the bowling alley to get as few shots as they actually got. But also what, what astounds me is that they got so few shots. They only got one shot, one or two shots, which wasn't a strike. So when the actual big game happens, and bear in mind that throughout this entire film, they'd be going, oh yeah, nobody, nobody bowls a perfect game. Uh, like, nobody gets a strike every single time. You're just seeing all these shots, and it's just kids, strike, kids, strike, kids, strike, kids, strike, kids, strike, kids, strike, kids, strike. And at one point, in the, uh, the, the answer just goes, and it looks like the alley cats are down to the wolf pack by 15 pins. And I'm like, how? All we've seen are them hitting tens. <laughs> like, where are these pins come from that he's suddenly losing? Like, get some extra shots, for God's sake. Oliver's got reason. some really weird terms as well. So you know, like when you, you get what's a turkey? I think a turkey is when you get like three strikes in a row or two. I yeah, that that sure. term is never used in the film. Yeah, see, so it's not that advanced, man. They're not that good. <laughs> One of the reasons I picked it is just because of, like, said the just the the weirdness of it, but just also how it is taking such a just normal thing and like making it to this big thing. So, like, said the fact is like. Four outcast teens with a love of bowling. It's like to me, it's like as if they were like four teens with a love of marbles. You know, like four teens who love playing cards. You know, and then like Craig said, the idea like, oh, this kid's good at everything, but he can't, pl- you know, bowl to save his life. It's like, right? Well, I'm sure like a few hours will sort that out. It's not. It's not like he's you know ballet or something where it's like this intricate thing. You know, I might be offending a lot of bowlers out there, but it's not. The thing is, I'll- some of the some of the things they teach him are really simple stuff like. Like, look at where your thumb is when you're rolling the ball. If it's going straight, the ball will go straight. 
I'm like, well, obviously, because the thumb is what you use to propel. Of course, if it's going in the direction you throw the ball, the ball is going in that direction. I think we need to see a British version. I want to see Bones. It's the main central theme of a film. The intensity of it, you know? I mean, will he get near to the pin? Will the pins be delivered on time? Just young, just young people bo- booing at old people like, boo, boo. It's like, that's my granddad. <laughs> Ball sucks. Get a job. I'm 92. <laughs> but one of the, the last thing I'll say is that one of the central conflicts it talks about is the, the basically the two kids, the, the two main kids, their fathers. One is the owner of the bowling alley and the other one is, uh, is the mayor himself. And they were kids who played these games like 30 years ago or something like that. And the mayor has such a grudge against the owner of the bowling alley because he dropped a ball in baseball and he kept it up for like 30 years. He keeps, keeps saying things like, well, if you hadn't dropped the ball, I'm just like, dude, let it go. Right. I'm sorry, mate. Like you lost a ball game and you lost a trophy. So what? You've apparently lost your virginity since then. Surely better things must have happened to you in your life. You're the mayor of this town. Why does it bother you so much you don't get to keep a towering hideous piece of plastic and metal and loads and loads of plaques that only say things like East, West, East, West. What the hell are you, Germany? So Craig does not recommend Alley Cat Strike, but potentially a good reflection of a lot of niche sport films that you can find on Disney+. Plus. We now go on to uh, the next one, which uh, I watched, which is called Going to the Mat. Ooh. So we were talking before about these bizarre summary titles, and this one, just reading it back now, I, I can't help but cringe laugh not for like the the topic but just like how out of touch it is so at a new school jace overcomes his blindness through a love of wrestling (laughs) he overcomes his blindness guys i don't know how that happens but are you sure this isn't daredevil (laughs) oh trust me that that does come into this Oh, good lord. Yeah. So, the summary of this film. Despite being blind, Jace Newfield never lets anything stand in his way. So when his family moves from New York to the Midwest, he must find a way to fit in where everything is new, from the town to his school to his house. All while struggling to maintain his independence. Soon, Jace takes up wrestling and, with the help of his teachers, strives to master his wrestling skills and bring his team to the championships. Bottom man sit out, top man chop. Bottom sit, top chop. Tuck your elbow, hip ice. Top man follow his hips. Ah, dude, what was that? Oh man, you okay? No, you hit me in my nose, you probably broke it. Take it easy, settle down. Hey, good call, coach. Bring us some guy in here who can't even see what he's doing. Thanks a lot. That's enough, Mike. Just get some ice. Don't worry about it, Jace. Accidents happen. Especially when you hire the handicapped. Let's get back to the drill. Concentrate on your technique. Referee's position, Jace. When you sit out, don't extend your head back. Throws your balance off. Okay? Okay. Ready? Go! Good. 
So, yeah, that is a clip from Going to the Mat. Uh, it stars Andrew Lawrence as uh, Jason, or Jace as they call him. This is from 2004. And, uh, yeah, you can tell because it has aged horribly in some, in some respects. And there's some interesting actors in this. Uh, more specifically, one actor, uh, Wayne Brady, who you might know from Whose Line Is It Anyway? The US version. So, was there anything you noticed about the guy playing Jason in that clip, guys? He wasn't actually blind? Yes, <laughs> he wasn't actually blind, which, like I said, people play Daredevil, they're not actually blind, you know, it, it has been a thing for a while, but like I said, watching it in 2020, you are a bit like, uh, you know, this hasn't aged well. But not only do they have one guy who's not blind playing a blind guy, they also have Wayne Brady playing a blind guy, and who is also a teacher and a music teacher. And it's just awkward because usually they get around it by putting some contacts in the person's eyes or putting sunshades on them the, the majority of the time. But no, like, you know, I think Andrew Lawrence, who plays Jace, does like a decent job of showing, you know, how blind people will sort of like fixate their vision in, you know, just one spot because obviously they're not used to like directing it in certain places. But at the same time, I think having spoke to like a few blind people and seen videos about people who are blind from birth, and this film doesn't tell you like how he becomes blind, but some blind people just keep their eyes closed because they, they don't, they've not been used to use, using that muscle. So you would think if you aren't blind yourself as an actor, you would think maybe go down the keep your eyes closed route because it might be more convincing. So you just get these really awkward scenes, especially with Wayne Brady, in which you've got two guys just there like, do you think you're better than me? And he's like, I don't think I'm better than you. And they're just like, their pupils are fine. You can see, you're like, you don't look blind. I can tell you aren't blind. And I'm not saying that all blind people, can, you can visibly see it. But it's just awkward because you know they're not blind. And they're just like both doing the same thing of like, I'm going to look down here. I'm going to look up here. And they're having this conversation together. And you're just like... Uh, and it's the fact that you get these really awkward lines like Le Wayne Brady has a scene where Jace comes up to him and they sort of have a confrontation kind of like a, a Harry Potter and Snape sort of thing in, in, in the first Harry Potter film where uh, Jace is kind of trying to show off on the drums uh, yes Craig the, the teacher is a music teacher and Jace likes drumming I can't imagine what the hell would go down if Terence Fletcher taught this kid being blind, I dread to think what would be said. <laughs> well, that's my goal now. I'm just going to write out of uh, Terence Fletcher style insults for blind people. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they have a confrontation in which Wayne Brady's character is just like, everyone in my classroom is the same. I'm not going to like treat you any different. You know, you're, you're not going to get special treatment. And at which point a student, he walks away and a student feels it necessary to say to Jace, he's like you so you shouldn't like play up and it's like okay <laughs> it's like thanks for that and then later on when he kind of tries to talk to him because obviously they've had this awkward situation he's like you know and he says you know how do you deal with you know being blind at the school and wayne brady is then just awkwardly like oh i'm blind how am i going to get home and you're just like 
I get it. You're trying to be, you know, jokey about it. I'm sure blind people have the same thing, but they just keep doing it over and over. I was like, I know the blind people and deaf people and stuff can have a sense of humor, but it's just more awkward when you're not actually blind. And some of the jokes are just like, so some of, you know, sometimes they might have the banter with, you know, the characters and, you know, we all have it with friendship groups and stuff like that. They might have banter if somebody you know, is open about that kind of thing. But it's the fact that one of his friends does, you know, say he's like, oh, maybe you should go for a sport to make you feel better about yourself. And his friend just goes, yeah, but don't go for archery. And like, even though Jace does reply and like, oh yeah, you don't want me shooting an arrow. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not sure it was appropriate. The other guy made that joke though. I think the blind guy should make that joke, not the friend. <laughs> like just basically saying, yeah, please don't skewer me. Uh, there is also the joke that Jace makes when he realizes that his teacher is blind. He goes, oh, talk about the blind leading the blind. <laughs> I'm like, but it's not the blind leading the blind, is it? Because you're not blind. <laughs> but I'll let, I'll let that go for now. Um, yeah, there's just lots of awkwardness in this film around that topic. But it's also just the weird aspect that they decide to go, oh, well, because he's come from New York and then moved to the Midwest... He's kind of nervous about that, so he's going to be cocky, and because he's blind, he's going to be like vocal about it. So he he walks into a classroom, and he's like, he's like, oh, uh, I hope you hicks don't like all turn on me and everything. And and later in the film, then this girl he befriends is all like, a lot of people are t- making fun of you and and don't like you because you're kind of an ass. And you know, I was like, okay, that's that's an interesting way to take this character, but again, it just comes off as like too too in your face from the get go. Um, and then obviously they just do the the storyline is that, you know, he gets out his aggression and uh, he learns to bond with the people who are bullying him through wrestling. So like you saw in that clip, people originally are very against him and they don't like that they, he's taken certain people's place on, on the wrestling team. And then later on, he, you know, proves himself by he keeps working. So one of the guys, I think, in that clip is the one who said, you know, oh, you brought somebody you know, what did you expect when you bring somebody like this onto the team? That person is struggling with Spanish and he won't get like uh, where he wants to go in college if he doesn't do well in Spanish. So Jace helps him with his Spanish and they both sort of have that bond. And then you can see Jace is like working out loads in the gym. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm not, he's like, even if I fail at wrestling, I, I, I don't want anyone to say that I didn't work hard. And, and all of that is like really nice and inspirational and, and you know it is it is great and and steve i do have to say that this film doesn't paint sports journalists in a good light because this guy like sees jace at one one game in which he loses and is immediately like hey hey want to be like in the paper about like you know being a blind wrestler and stuff and he's like he's like oh no offense i i'd prefer to at least win a match before like i'm going to be in the paper you should talk about these guys he's like he's like oh why do you want to write about me because like i'm blind and he's like oh no it's just a nice human interest story and then later in the film like the same journalist like goes up to all the people and he's just like you know spoiler again once he like does well and he he brings the team a win that the sports journalist comes back and is immediately like hey want to have that like story now and he's like asking all all the teammates about him and the teammates then are jokey about it and like oh he's blind we didn't realize hey john did you realize that jace is blind they're like i didn't know he was blind and it's all this you know, they kind of jump on that that joke that, you know, the kind of stuff that Wayne Brady did earlier. But I was like, this is really hard to buy when you clearly were like bullying this guy for a very long part of this film. But you also have, yeah, it's just awkward at the beginning because people don't like him. It then means you have awkward scenarios in which there's a fire drill 
and nobody helps him. So everyone's like leaving and evacuating the school. And he's just like bumping into doors and like getting freaked out. And nobody's helping him. And I'm like, there would be somebody there to help him. They would send like a teacher aide or like somebody to like escort him around the school. But everyone's just like looking at him like, oh, what a freak. And I'm like, even the teacher just walks away. I'm like, what is going on here? That so, is genuinely horrendous. Yeah. That's awful. <laughs> so it... At the beginning, there are loads of really awkward moments like that in which, like I said, people are, like, making these, like, jokes about him. And, yeah, it's it's just kind of a bit bad taste, a bit awkward. Like I say, once the wrestling starts, it's fine. And, like, it becomes about the wrestling. And he's also got his new best friend that he's buddied up with. Um, and he's, like, this really skinny, twiggy kid. And he's in, like, the lightweight division so he's like equally like nervous about becoming a good you know wrestler as well and and that's like a nice storyline they have with him um you know and it's like a nice like representation because he has you know the the jackets the jocks wear in american high schools he gets one of those and he's like oh that like drowns you why why didn't you get a small and he's like this is a small and as like a skinny guy myself i'm like you know as a kid you know, in school when you have to put on like the pe kit i was like yep yeah, I, I understand that feeling <laughs> so like that 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 was nice but uh so like you get you get moments like that which are like are generally like a good reflection but like i said it's just awkward that you have like all this weird setup and even with the parents i don't know if you found this like, i didn't find a million dollar cook off but i definitely found it in the other film i watched but, like, a lot of the parents in these Disney Channel films don't seem like they are parents to these kids. Like, they are horrible parents. Like, terrible. It's always the same. It's always the same in Disney Disney um, originals or films. And the parents are just awful to their children. They just don't know what's best for them. They, they, like I said, they want to relive their dreams through them. Yeah, literally, the beginning of this film. Like, the parents don't play a big part of it in that sense. But they arrive at their new home. And they take Jace out of the car. He's like, well, here it is, champ, our new house. He's, and Jace is looking at a tree and he's like, oh, looks great. And then his dad turns him towards the house. He goes, that's it. And he's like, oh, even better. And then Jace is like making a joke like, oh, is there a pool? Do I get like my own like arcade room and stuff? And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's good that he's positive about that and everything. But why did the dad turn him as if like, I was like, is he joking? Or is he genuinely that oblivious? Because like I said... <laughs> The father, the mother and father, even though they have the moments of like, oh, we're not sure you should do this. Again, they just seem like friends of his. They seem like, you know, they're like foster parents or something. They don't seem like they genuinely boost this child. They're just like, oh, yeah, we'll go support you. Like At one point, they're like, oh, do you want us to come to your first game? He's like, no, I'd rather you not be there in case I mess up. And they're like, that's fair enough. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, surely the parents would be a bit more like, no, we want to come. You know, I was like, do you know what this reminds me of, David? What's that? You know that beautiful news clip blooper from years ago, which was uh, a young child has climbed to the heights of Everest all on his own, you, uh, but he's gay. G- 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 he's blind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's basically Disney have taken that premise and just like, yeah, let's somehow make it into a... Exactly. That's what I chose it because it's just the idea of they're just like, what if a blind guy did wrestling? They're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like as if they literally picked it out of a hat, like blind guy and what else? Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> but fair, I'm pretty sure that's how they make most of their plots. They basically have a roulette wheel. Also, you mentioned earlier about Daredevil. So in this film early on, he moves to this new place 
they established that he does like sports. His his friends in his old uh, home in New York, he has like a baseball that like makes a beeping sound when they throw it to him. He has like a basketball and the hoop has like a beeper so he, he knows where to throw things. So he has that assistance when playing sports, but they do set up then when he moves this new place, that friend that he becomes, friend, uh, I think they call him like Fly or something like that. He like cycles past and sort of looks at him like, oh, like he's playing basketball and, you know, is he blind? And then he saw immediately, he's like, hey, how are you? And he's like, how did you know I was here? And he's just like, oh, you know, I've got those senses, you know, like I'm blind. So like all my, my other senses are better. And that happens a few times where like somebody will come in. He's like, oh, hey, coach. He's like, how do you know it's me? He's just like, oh, you wear that terrible clone. And and that happens quite a lot of times. So would you think this would this would happen in, in wrestling? Would you think this power would be implemented into a, you know, a, a sport in which like, you know, think of like Toph in the last Airbender Craig where like, you know, movement. I'm just trying to think how they don't include it, I take it. No, <laughs> it is never no. used in anything. It's, he's literally just a normal wrestler. He just, you know, if somebody's on top of him, they just t- teach him to, you know, move his body weight and his knees and like throw them over himself. The blind disability he has has nothing to do with how he operates as as a wrestler. It's just the fact that he is blind, but then that pays that pays no part of him actually being better or more disadvantaged in the actual sport itself. It's just kind of paid as oh he's not very good because he's never done it before. And like the blind thing is more just that people make fun of him like outside of the ring. But it's weird that they never show, like, you know, he does this whole, oh, I can smell your clone, or I can sense that you're near me, or I can hear um, something happening, like, two blocks away. But yet they don't use that to suggest that he can hear, you know, his opponent doing a certain move, or the vibrations of the mat, or anything. That's never a part of it. I'm like, wow. I missed the opportunity there. That would have been so good. So, yes, that is going to the mat Check it out, possibly, if you want to see maybe one of the better Disney Channel sports movies. But, you know, it's nothing to shout and scream about. We'll now go to our final film, which is possibly one of the most bizarre ones that we have, <laughs> which Steve had the joy of watching. So this one immediately stood out to me. And this doesn't immediately say sports film in the title, but it did in the poster because you can kind of see that it is playing on the basketball aspect. So get ready for the summary, guys. When his lucky charm is stolen, Kyle learns that he is part leprechaun. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the basic summary. And I was hooked from, from the get-go with that one. What? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just... So, Steve, give us, give us the summary. Give us the, as captivating as you can be. <laughs> this, this is painful. This is actual pain. I'm feeling pain here because... That it has all the potential to be a good film, to be a great film, and I just felt like I was on acid when I was watching it. <laughs> it, it was it was bizarre. It was the, the plot just didn't make sense. But here we go, guys. Listen to this. So when Kyle loses his golden pot of gold charm, he discovers that he's actually part leprechaun. He must find the thief who took the charm before he takes control of all the leprechauns. Along the way, Kyle discovers that he's capable of making his own luck. I mean, they don't even they don't even mention the basketball, despite the fact the posters like him in a basketball outfit and like a smaller version of himself in a basketball outfit. I was like, what? 
I'd like to make a, an apology to anyone who is Irish and listening to this podcast. Whatever you do, there is a lot of bad stereotypes in this film. <laughs> it's stated. There's something your mother and I need to tell you, son. I'm a leprechaun, Kyle. Huh. Mom? I know it's hard to believe, Kyle. I mean, when I first met your mother, You're I... not a leprechaun, too. No, no. I'm from Cleveland. Oh. We'd have told you sooner, Kyle, but we wanted you to grow up like a normal American boy. Huh. But then when I started to have the sweet little spell... Mom! You're a foot tall! Oh, it could be worse, believe me. It's probably just an allergic reaction. Boiled potatoes, something like that. Yeah. I don't think you have any reason to worry. What? Me? You mean I'm a leprechaun too? Amazing. Oh my God. I'm, so I'm so glad that was the clip for the film because that I sent you that, didn't I, Steve? Like, just as a recording when I was watching it. And it should be... And I'm glad Craig had that reaction because I had the exact same reaction when I first came up. Craig, you should know, in this film, that lady has not got that accent before that moment in the film. So, turning back turning back into a leprechaun somehow then makes her Irish accent also return, which weirdly left when she disguised herself as a normal human being. It just does not make sense. Can I also say, based on that clip... The, the father's responding to this in an incredibly <laughs> chip manner. He's just like, I'm from Cleveland. It's like, mate, oh. your leprechaun wife has shrunk. <laughs> Cleveland me. is actually really key to this film. Yeah, and, and, and where you're from is really key. Like, I don't know if you want to get into this later, Steve, but I found this was like the weirdest plot hole in a film I've ever seen because they kind of referenced it in that clip. Did you want to talk about that now? Or? Yeah, so basically... Where you're from, it means everything in this town. Like, they want to know, and they will find a way of finding it out if it means doing illegal stuff. Like, they do not care. So, you know, this boy, Carl, he doesn't really know where he's from. He doesn't know about his heritage. So he, he's prodding. He's trying to find out from his family. And they're all about, oh, we're, we're from Cleveland, which seems to be, you know, the same for everything. So he finally finds it out that he's from Ireland, which, you know, should be a good thing, a, a great celebrated thing, but it's just hidden so much. And then it, obviously we find out why, because, you know, the whole leprechaun sequence. And honestly, it's, I've never seen a film this dedicated to heritage before. It is, it's crazy. And I would say we need to see more of it, but we need to see less of it. I'm, this film, I never want to see it again in my life. <laughs> I actually wrote down, is his, are his parents in a cult? because they're that secretive about him being Irish at the beginning. But also just the fact that then, as you can tell from the summary, this film is about how Kyle is lucky and he's always been lucky his entire life. And it's because of this charm. And you're like, well, what's this film about? Is it about like his heritage or is it about how he's like a lucky kid and like he's always lucky and people envy him for that? Because it's just weird that they decide to go with this like heritage thing and then mock themselves later on because... Like I said, the scene after that, he immediately is then, Dad, Mum, where are we from? And they're like, we're from Cleveland. We're from Cleveland. And that's what I was talking about earlier, is that parents in these films are really weird that they don't seem to, like, be the, the parents of these these children. Because especially with these parents, they're just kind of, like, so disconnected, and especially the father. And like you said, in that moment in which he's like, I'm from Cleveland. And I'm like, so we find out that the mother's from Ireland, 
But it's still weird that we don't find out because he even says it himself. He's like, oh, so if we're American, we're, are we Indians originally? They're like, no, 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 we're like Americans. We're from Cleveland. And it's like, yeah, you found out where the mum was from, but we've clearly established that, you know, Americans do have a history from other countries in the globe or Native Americans. So where is his dad from? <laughs> it's so weird that they don't talk about that. So I think... Obviously, the heritage side of things is a massive, massive thing in a movie. Do I think they went on about it a bit too much? Yes. But, you know, that, it, it did make the movie good to an extent because, you know, I did feel like, I'm not saying it presented Ireland in the best way, but the way they sort of brought the discussion of Ireland in, like with different, they represented the Irish traditions quite well because they had traditional Irish sports, which is, you know, quite a lot of these sports as well. They didn't just do the main one, which would have been like hurling or something. They did like everything at the end where I think they just went wrong was, was the accents, the, you know, the mannerisms, all this stuff and the, the Irish carnival, which was just bizarre. But yeah, no, for a film about heritage, I just think they probably just, they, they went off the market, but they just didn't, they just, it didn't work how it was meant to work. And I think that that was shown for the whole film. Yeah, it was just mad. I think the whole sort of, I could believe it if, you know, if he was from Ireland, they were raised in Ireland, then came over to America. I think that would have made it better because at least then you know, ah, well, you know his heritage. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, maybe we should have known his heritage first and then we find out that he's, uh, like, I think that might have even made the film better. But a um, little pro tip for everyone who does watch this film and whoever does watch it, good luck to you. You are a great person. <laughs> If you type in Luck of the Irish to the Google search on Not Disney Plus, you will have to sift through a lot of online gambling websites, which I did. <laughs> so there's a little pro tip for you. Do not type it into Google. Surprisingly, there's no like clovers or like shamrocks really that much. But they do have that scene with, what did you think, Steve, of when they were chasing the evil leprechauns, whatever you want to call them, the people who had his, his coin. And they're like, how do we stop these people? And he's like, oh throw that boiled cabbage and potatoes at them and they're just in a camper van and they just pick up a saucepan of boiled cabbages and just chuck it out the window and their car just gets pelted with cabbage. It's not even that they, like, it's not like paint or anything. They just throw a sauce, like a big boiling pot and they're like, ah! <laughs> I'm like, it's the... As well, that as well. They've just got this random bowl of cabbage and potatoes and got... But they're all wearing leather. I mean, what are they, Irish vampires? Like, this was... Yeah. I just did not get it. As if the writers were like, what's the most Irish thing we could throw at them? Boil cabbage and potatoes. <laughs> it, it was bizarre. But do you know what? I actually enjoyed the, the incorporation of the evil leprechauns because at least, you know, they're leprechauns and we know that they're leprechauns. Yeah. I like to know what the characters are. But, oh, man, it, that, honestly, the most bizarre film I will ever watch. And I will, it, it doesn't get more bizarre than and I'm not convinced this film is real. <laughs> like, this just doesn't sound like anything that anyone should put together. I, I do love some of the... Mo- like, I, I, I didn't find... I wasn't as offended as Steve is with this, to be honest. I did have fun with it. Like, at the beginning, I was kind of like, you know... You had the kid with like, <laughs> he was walking through school and there was like a kid with like a boombox, like a massive boombox. And they were clearly playing this song, which they wanted to be, don't go chasing waterfalls, but just didn't have the rights to use that song. So he used like a ripoff version. And like everyone's like loving him because he's so lucky. They're like, yeah, you're so great. You know, uh, 
what's it? I can't even remember his name. They're like, you're so great. Yeah, well done. You know, da, 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 all this. <laughs> and again, we were talking earlier about like judgmental kids and stuff. The fact that when he loses his coin and he then starts becoming bad at basketball, which we haven't even talked about the sport in this film yet. But the fact that I wrote this down, a lot of people are going, you know, boo, you suck. Like, oh, you lost the game. But somebody actually walks past him and goes, you're pathetic. I was like, what? Why is he pathetic for just not having a good game? Like, as if, like, somebody's going to go up to, like, Ronaldo after, like, he didn't hit a goal. Like, you're pathetic. Like, what? The thing is, in the first three minutes of the film, and I I went back to make sure it was in the first three minutes. You know, his name's Kyle, the... um. The, Kyle, the guy Carl. So he goes downstairs, and his dad's like, "You're gonna miss the big game." It's like <laughs> it's always a big game. It's never like a <laughs> tiny game. It's always it's never insignificant. It's always this game means everything to everyone in this town. And if you lose it, then we're sending you back to Ireland. Like, yeah, it it just made no sense. And but we have to talk about the sport, man, because that basketball shot was I I can't even begin to word it. I mean, it's worth watching for the best basketball shot of all time because, you know, Kyle loves basketball. He's good at it. But this shot is ridiculous. So the ball is going out of the court and Kyle dives. His fingertip, like one fingertip touches the ball and the ball just goes into the net. It is the most bizarre thing I'll ever see. It's crazy. I just loved when, uh, you know, in the clip they had the girl who was uh, shouting out for Kyle. So they play her as the character who's like heritage you know she's like running heritage day which apparently is like painted as this big thing we should all know about like saint patrick's day like i don't what are you guys doing for heritage day apparently it's like a massive holiday that we've all missed out on <laughs> um so they play her up as this character who's like you know uh into all you know mathletes and is you know a big sort of nerd in that respect but i love the scene and i couldn't believe when he's uh, he's like he's having his bad day and he can't hit the hoop like the, his coach wants him to hit like 10 hoops before he leaves for the day and he can't do it and that girl like meets up with him and she's just like oh hey um oh, what's happening he's like oh i can't hit the you know the the basket blah, blah, and they start talking and she just like goes like on a rant against him she was and she's like oh you know how unfortunate that like you can't be good at something for a change like when things aren't going your way and she's like um and then she, like, throws the basket, uh, like, the ball. It goes in the basket. And she's like, do you know how I did that? Through training and work. I wasn't just lucky. And I was like, and I literally, like, I was just like, where has this come from? Where is this attacker? Because she's, like, pretty friendly to him before that. And she's just like, I had to work for that. I had to train for that. And then, thankfully, after it, Kyle goes, you don't even play basketball. And I was like, thank you. We've never seen this girl train for this. We've never seen her work for it. And we've never seen any inkling that her or anybody feels that he's entitled because we've been talking so much about heritage throughout this entire thing. So that, to me, seemed really weird because... Like I said, in High School Musical, etc., they do set up the, like, you know, he's good at basketball and everyone's disappointed when he doesn't do well or he starts diverting his attention. But here, it's, like, such a mixed message. But I just find it hilarious that she was so <laughs> against him. It kind of makes sense later because she gets revealed that she wants to play basketball. After watching all these films, I've come to the conclusion that they were all just trying to make High School Musical back then. And then they just got really yeah. lucky with it. You know, it just like 
they're, they're all prototypes for it. But the weirdest part of this film, or one of the weirdest parts for me, was when um, Kyle goes to the Irish carnival because there happens to be an Irish carnival in town. You know, well, what a coincidence this is. And he goes to the carnival and he's looking around the stalls and there's a bookstore and it's literally the most obvious title, which is just says, so you just found out you're Irish. Would you like to know more? <laughs> and I was like, what, what? Why would there be a bookstore saying this? It, it's just moments like that that make this film, I'm going to, wonderful. Yeah, it makes it wonderful. I just love as well how that girl we were talking about earlier, like completely flips on what she was saying before. She was like, heritage is everything. You need to know where you come from. And then later in the film, they're like all like deflated and they don't feel they can stop the evil leprechauns, at which point she goes, guys, we're Americans and Americans don't give up. It then becomes this weird thing at the end where he talks about his heritage as an Irish person. He's up on stage on Heritage Day and then they start singing, yeah, this land is my land, this land is... And it's this big thing about being American. And I was like, what? I was like, I thought it was about being Irish. And then like she even herself, who is somebody of like Indian descent, was like, we're American and Americans don't give up. I was like, wow. Even in like your Irish film, Disney couldn't help but like be pro, pro American, which, which I think is a theme for these. And we were talking about sports, and basketball is obviously the big sport here. But, but what do you guys think of that idea of like, like you said, it's always the big game, and everyone's always like, I need to get a scholarship to get into college. And football, it, it is a different culture than we have over here. Like sports is massive for them, and I think that's why it is such. Like you look at Disney channel movies and you're like why are so many of them sports but then you do think it is such a massive thing for kids in that country you know they you know they they center their careers and their school lives around it it is like you know we don't have that here you don't have like a scholarship to go to university and play rugby or football in the same way that they do it's like a massive thing for them it's also just uh, the, the easiest way of getting tension for a film right like that's why I'm not a big fan of these sorts of sports movies or just any sports movie that relies itself around like a big game because it's it's one of those things where it just doesn't seem to respect any form of like progression. It just puts everything on a on a, a single event. I mean, I think as well, you know, you've you've always got groups and niche groups in American high schools. You've got the jocks, the cheerleaders, you know, all these sort of groups that that make it and I think that's why it's so easily transferable into films especially like this because you can make a movie pretty much with just the stories from their groups and with sports you've got so many different avenues to go down like will he play good will he play bad will he miss the big game and it, it always sort of ends up where it needs to be so but yeah this you are right there's a massive culture difference with American sports and British sports I mean the amount of effort they put into it like go into colleges, you know, go into regionals. I mean, what even are regionals? Nobody knows, but we'll pass on that one. But yeah, I think they put so much effort into it that, you know, sometimes with the film, you're watching the film and you just can't help be distracted by the sports because sometimes it doesn't make sense. You're just watching it. You're thinking, right, if the game's the biggest thing for you, then why are you chasing that? And why are you doing something else? Like they just lose focus of it. So yeah, the sports for me is a bit crazy, but, I think the sports in this film wasn't really, it's it's marketed as a sports film, but it's not really a sports film. It's, it's more, like you said, it's more on the heritage side of things rather than the sports. Yeah, the yeah. more mystical side with like the leprechauns and, you know, the magic and stuff. 
Yeah, I, I tend to feel from the conversations we have, I don't think anything has stand, stood out as like, oh, yeah, you know, there were some nice messages in some of the films, but I don't think anything has stood out as like, oh, yeah, you should learn for this. This should be preserved because there's so many of these Disney Channel movies. I'm sure there might be one that like, you know, epitomizes them. Um, but again, TV movies have always been like a big thing anyway. So you get that in, even with like Hallmark Christmas films and and those awful Channel 5 films they make about the royal family and that kind of stuff so tv movies is like quite a big thing anyway and i think there's other representations of that and like you said sports films we got films like the blind side and the mighty ducks and stuff which i think would be better to go in if we talk about that in the future so do you agree craig honestly i feel like the basic discussions we've had we've basically been saying these films just wanted to be high school musical so it's a kind of a shame that we didn't actually talk about that film and just put it in there i don't feel like i can recommend any of these films like sorry i know steven has childhood memories for eddie's million dollar cook-off but even like some of the stronger messages towards the end of the film i don't i i don't think are clear enough for me to go in so i'd say none of them i'd like to say one thing if you had a choice between playing baseball and cooking, you'd make the right decision, wouldn't you, Dave? You would, because, you know, you know in yourself what you'd like, you know what you'd like to do. So, whereas, you know, Craig's trying to pressure you. He's trying to be like the dad. You know, he wants you to not pick this film. But me, it's your decision. Just like it should have been Eddie's decision. And that's all I'm saying. To be fair, though, you say that comparison. The only problem I have with that is that Eddie doesn't even really decide to do it. He kind of goes to the baseball game and sort of goes with the norm. So it's not even his decision. His friends kind of force him to do what he wants. So I'm like, uh. So I don't know. I think, Steve, you're going to have to keep this in your personal movie vault as, as one you cherish. But I'm not sure if today anything will be going in, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I'm devastated, um, you know. <laughs> he's he's argued his case well, guys. But who knows, we might get an outpouring of fans and listeners now being like, put it in the movie vault. How dare you not put that film in there? We we need a sequel. We need. <laughs> there's so much to be explained. There is that so might, much to explain. That might change our mind, maybe. That that might sway things. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm so annoyed. I'm going to make the food. That's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to make something from Million Dollar Cooker. <laughs> Okay, end game time. So, welcome to Penalty Shoot Your Mouth Off. So the idea of this is that sports movies in general, um, sometimes they're Disney, uh, most of the time they're not, uh, deliver to us some incredible quotes. What, I want, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot some quotes your way and I want to see whether or not you can tell me which film that they're from. However, there is a bit of a twist, which I will get to, but first... You need to decide which set of questions you are going to do, A or B. So, usually, this would go to the weakest uh, competitor who needs a bit, a bit more of an advantage. But as I don't want to give any, I don't want to give David any help. Uh, Stephen, A or B? I'm going to take B. Okay, so I will ask David the first. Uh, I will ask David a question, then Stephen, then David, Stephen, etc. So. Four of these five quotes that each of you are going to get are from a film. One of them is going to be from a comedy sketch of some description. So you score a point by either telling me the name of the film, or if you can tell me whether or not the line is actually from a sports-based comedy sketch. 
So you don't have to tell me what the sketch is. You just need to tell me if it's, you just need to say it's a sketch. Okay, does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tense moments as we begin. David, your first quote. Billy, listen to me. White men can't jump. Um, I'm going to say this from a film, but I can't think what it is. Dodgeball or something. Okay, so David is going for Dodgeball. Is the film Dodgeball? Oh. Stephen, I think you know what it is. I will give you half a point if you can correctly steal it. What is it? Uh, well, I think the f it is White Men Can't Jump. Is the film White Men Can't Jump? <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of that. <laughs> it's, it's got Wesley... Um, is it Wesley Snipes? Is Wesley Snipes? No, Woody Harrison. Stephen, your first quote. David's going to be angry at this. If you can dodge a wrench... How many times have we dodgeball? Yeah, we, me and Stephen talked about this film numerous times as well. So that's why I like threw it out there in case I like to get it out the way. Yeah, what a great ball. film. What a great film. Okay. David, your second quote. Are you too good for your home? Yeah, my, my lack of sports film knowledge or even content will be showing now. Are you too good for your home? No idea. It's a film, I assume, but Blindside. Is the film Blindside? Stephen, I think you want to steal. <laughs> oh, I love this. Happy Gilmore is the uh -oh. film, my friend. Happy Gilmore. Of course. It's Happy Gilmore. So, Dave, this is a landslide. I know, yeah, I'm going to get trashed in this one. This will make up for the movie vault. <laughs> but also, David... We did an Adam Sandler episode. I know, but I didn't. I didn't watch Happy Gilmore. No one had Happy Gilmore from that. <laughs> get in the ball video. hole. I'm getting the whole ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stephen, your second quote. Yeah, you bowled a wide in the Ashes Cup final. How can you live with your zen? Yeah, sports sketch. You're calling a sports sketch. Yeah. It is a sports sketch. Uh, any idea what it might be? David should know what this is. Um, no, just no idea. I just, it didn't sound like a film, so I just thought it was a sketch, no. Is this, is this the only sketch now? Is that gone then? For Stephen it is, yeah. Okay. Is it like a Mitchell and Webb sketch or something? Yeah, it's the uh, Mitchell and Webb cricket film sketch. Right, yeah. That's what I thought with the ashes. I was like... yeah. yeah. Okay, so at the end of uh, two questions each, it is an astonishing 3 nil. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't make sense. Steve hasn't even had that many questions. It's like, oh. <laughs> In penalties, this is the equivalent of David <laughs> kicking the ball the other side of the pitch. <laughs> you know what? Once I come out of this game, somebody's going to call me pathetic. You're pathetic. Like, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, tra I'll, I'll trade you. Dave, you could... You could win if we can add um, Eddie's million dollar cook-off into the movie. <laughs> no. But... <laughs> I was going to say, Craig might ah, have something to say about that. Just... Right. <laughs> Quote number three for David. Wax on. So, yeah, would that be the karate kid? Hurrah, he gets... Yeah. I was, 
I was like, is this like one of the spoof movies in which they're like taking the piss out of that? But <laughs> I was I was tempted to put wax off, but I thought, no, nah, I'll make it slightly harder. For you, I should have made things slightly easier. But I okay. Steven, your third quote. I don't play defense. For the record, it's I think be an American football film. For 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 the record, I think this is probably my favorite uh, uh, sports movie of all time. I've got all sorts going down, but I want to say a film that's already been mentioned, but I don't think it would be because he does play defense in this film. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to, no, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to go blindside. Is the answer blindside? David, David, do you know what it is? I'm just trying to think what your favorite sports movie of all time would be. I've never spoken about this film to you. Okay. Is it like the longest yard or something? It's Space Jam. Oh, I was going to say Space Jam. No, no, no. Oh. Bill, yeah, Bill Murray uh, says it. Uh, Can I get something for thinking Space Jam? No. Because <laughs> I've had a go at David several times in the past for going, oh, I would have said that, except you didn't. Oh, okay. damn, damn. David, your fourth quote. He's still able because there's 13 left on the table. I don't know. Like I said, I feel like there might be a sketch coming up, but I don't know. That could be it either because it's just so bizarre. Well, put it like this. is that quote and one other quote. So one of them's got to be the sketch. Yeah. I'll go for that one then. It is. Any idea what it could be? Is it like a table football sketch or something? No. What? Uh, any idea, Stephen? No, not really. Uh, no, no idea. It's uh, part of a Bill Bailey routine where he basically says that the uh, Snooker Sunday theme sounds like the beginning. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be parodying Smells Like Teen Spirit. And those are the lyrics that he puts to that song. <laughs> we just start singing, Why can do this? He's so label. Because there's 13 left on the table. <laughs> Stephen, your fourth quote. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. Uh... <laughs> Why do I feel I've, I've heard this before? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a guess. Is it Space Jam 2? <laughs> That's not even made yet. Oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm taking your first answer of the fictitious film Space Jam 2. <laughs> David, would you like a chance to steal? Is it Remember the Titans? Hey, I mentioned it earlier. I wow. mentioned it. It was in the Literally, list. Literally, basically what I tried to do for both of you is have one quote where the name of the film is in the quotes. Ironically, you stole it from each other. <laughs> so going into the final quote, uh, it is, there's half a mark in it, but at the moment it's Stevens three to David's two and a half. Hey, I clawed back. This is the big game. I'm the underdog. <laughs> David needs to get this quote right for a chance to win. David, your final quote. If you build it, he will come. Oh, see, it's not Evan Almighty because that's not a sports movie. <laughs> um, My life. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Blades of Glory. No idea. 
Is it Blades of Glory? Mm. Chance to steal, Stephen? Well, I'm thinking in a very strange way at the moment, and I'm thinking that, yes, it might... Well, it's, it's not necessarily a sports film, but it's got sports connotations. And this one, I'm going to go... This may be crazy, but I'm going to say Troy. I'm going to say Troy, because I remember there's, like, some sport... Not sports, but, like, some javelin thrown in Troy or something. I don't know. I'm going to go Troy. Okay. It's Field of Dreams. Damn! Uh. Okay, so just to finish, just to finish off the penalties... Uh, your final quote, Stephen. Yo, Adrian. If you get this wrong and David steals, it actually becomes a tie. So you've gone for, <laughs> you've gone for Little Nicky. Is it Little Nicky? Yes. So David, ah. the quote is, Yo, Adrian. Rocky? Yes! <laughs> 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 so we end that on free all. Thankfully, oh. I do have a tie break. Oh. <laughs> what will happen is this. I will read out this quote. It is a long quote. I basically want you to message me privately in the Zoom chat what which film you think this is. And what famous actor you think is saying it. Basically, whoever gets the film right first wins. If neither of you get it right, the first of you who gives me the famous actor first wins. Because that you should know. Are okay. you ready? You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been a somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. That's a terrible guess. I don't even know. Can yeah. we have multiple get? Can we have multiple guesses or is that over? I mean, at this at this point, I feel like I might have to because neither of you have got it right. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> David has gone for Robert De Niro in Training Day. <laughs> I know he's not in Training Day, but I was just like... <laughs> you just playing your bases. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Stephen has gone for Adam Sandler and Waterboy. Have you got the clip or something? Maybe we could hear the clip and like no. Can we list actors out randomly? He <laughs> yeah. brought you along too fast. Saint your night. So what happened? You was my brother, Charlie. You should have looked out for me a little. Stan, I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum. Which is what I am. Let's face it. I'll play Marlon Brando. I think he's right. Yeah. I was trying to think of his name. I was like, what's the freaking godfather's name? I was like, I mentioned Robert De Niro. I was like, oh, I cannot stop thinking about him. So oh, in a tense, yes. tense game where I had to do so much to help you, <laughs> Stephen is the winner. <laughs> Yay. I just won the penalty shootout. I want to turn up for the books there would have been if the film journalist beat the sports. <laughs> well, at least it was a sports-themed sports film, so I think it, it balances out. True. 
I had all the advantages, but I still took it to the tiebreaker. So <laughs> I just, know. I just can't believe that the moment I said I could have been a contender, no, none of you were. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I knew it, and I can imagine people even doing the mimic of Brando, and I was like, oh, I know it's like one of those type actors, and that's why I said De Niro. I just couldn't think of his name in that moment for some reason. So I knew it was going to be someone like that. So I was thinking Pacino. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was thinking like Pacino, De Niro. There's so many of them. So yeah. Well, yes, well done, Craig, <laughs> in uh, creating a fun end game as always. And thank you, Stephen, for joining us. It's been a very fun episode today, and it's been a good chance to distract ourselves, like I said, from all the other craziness going on in the world of film and outside as well. Where can we find you online? Where's the best place to check out all the crazy work you, you work on? So my best place is Twitter, which I could say my um, handle now. It's a bit of a weird one, but if you want to follow me for any crazy articles, which I write on um, Fresh Take, follow me at capital S-E-H-N underscore 97. Check him out there. And yeah, thank you for creating some great content on Fresh Take, which you can also catch on Fresh Take Hub and freshtakehub.com. You can check us out on Facebook as well. So yeah, Uh, anything lastly from yourself, Craig? Nope, just I hope you're looking forward to next uh, to our next episode where I will actually be taking over the reins. And if you've been enjoying the end games, well, there's going to be a lot more of it. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. So, yeah, we've got a special episode coming up, guys. And especially because this time last year, we were launching as our rebranded Well Good Movies. So we've got something special for you to celebrate that one year as Well Good Movies. Uh, it's going to be very fun and, yeah a lot of different elements come into play so thank you once again everyone you can check out like i said all of these movies on disney plus uh, including eddie's million dollar cook-off which just was missed in uh, you know the shot into the hoop of uh, the movie vault uh, but like i said will be cherished by steve for all time regardless and uh, yeah check out also luck of the irish alley cat strike and go into the mat uh, if you are able to put yourself through that there are plenty of other disney channel sports movies so tell us which ones are your favorites and which you would like to see us in the future watch please give craig the better one because uh, obviously he's feeling quite defeated by the amount of bad ones he's had to watch lately uh, it's just, is the word. <laughs> jack and jill just threw him over the edge it's just, he's not been the same since so yeah thank you guys uh, like i said catch us on all our social medias and please do check out our previous episodes and we will catch you on the next one Bye-bye. Adios. See you guys. film noir